All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish, and I'm excited because this is our brand new sermon series called Matthew Season 1, Heaven Comes Near. Now, if I'm honest, Matthew Season 1 is a bit misleading because we've already technically been in the book of Matthew. We were in the book of Matthew over Christmas in Matthew chapters 1 and 2 when we told the Christmas story. We were in it for five weeks, but I guess that counts as Matthew Season 0 or the prelogue. I like the I don't know, The Hobbit is to The Lord of the Rings, except The Hobbit's really not that good compared to The Lord of the Rings, just as a book. It's just kind of lame. Anyway, I'll stand by that. And so go ahead and write angry emails. It's okay. Anyway, the point of this is that we're in the book of Matthew, and this week we're going to be looking at um, kind of the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. Basically, Matthew fast forwards 30 years to get to Jesus's public ministry and his his story and the story of his cousin John the baptizer kind of jump together. They kind of intersect. And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at baptism. We're going to look at what that means. And also we're going to look at this phrase, baptism by fire. (laughs) You've heard that expression, right? Baptism by fire. It usually means that somebody is basically thrown into the deep end. Um, of the pool and they have to learn how to swim or it's a really difficult scenario and they have to learn um, in the middle of uh, uh, kind of trying circumstances. Uh, We're going to learn what exactly the Bible means by baptism by fire and why it's not nearly as bad as you might think. In fact, it's actually quite good, even if it's not altogether comfortable. Anyway, all that and more as I talk with Karina Gerard and Steve Clifford, who spoke and kicked us off this week in our Matthew series. And so let's get right into it. We'll talk about it. Hey everybody, welcome to the Afterword. Super excited here. We just launched a brand new sermon series, Matthew. Season one, we're calling it. It's a little bit like a Netflix thing. Uh, Season one, episode one. And here we have uh, the two folks who spoke on this particular opening, uh, Steve Clifford, who was at Saratoga, and then Karina Gerard, who was at our South Hills campus. Welcome, guys. I'm so glad you guys are both here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. This is is an interesting series because Hmm. we don't know when it's going to end. Oh, no, we don't. There could be 50 seasons. Yeah. I mean, because we're going through Matthew. But it, who, how long will it take us? No one will ever know. It's it's gonna be. A, there's a lot in this book. I don't know if you know that, Steve. Do you know that? There's a lot in this chapter. There, there's a lot in these twelve verses that we <laughs> opened with. There in fact, is. in fact, as we divided this up as a teaching team, we looked at this and we realized there's at least three sermons in this, and we actually shelved one for week six. Um, there's just too much. So yes, let's I agree. T- let's talk about what you didn't get to talk about because I'm sure there was a ton that um, was on the on the cutting room. Th- I almost said threshing room floor, but then I realized you'll find <laughs> Accurate. out later. Accurate. <laughs> you'll find out later why that's maybe not the best metaphor, but what's on the cutting room floor. Um, but basically in Matthew chapter three, we're through the birth of Jesus, the genealogy, we're through the, the Magi. And now we have kind of the beginning of Jesus's propulsion into adulthood and his, his public ministry. And it starts off with this really quixotic, exotic, kind of crazy character, John the baptizer. Um, and it, it's interesting because some Bible texts say John the Baptist, but then people think that that means he's like a Southern Baptist. So they change. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has nothing to do with the Baptist denomination. It's John the baptizer. 
And uh, so I just, I guess we'll start in. Uh, what didn't you get to that you really wish you had gotten to? Um, and then we'll just start there and then we'll, we'll, we'll delve in. Yeah, I mean, if we could have had a 10-hour sermon, it would have been really fun to dig deep into some of the historical things um, that we see with John. John is a very interesting character, and what we see is that he's like a fulfillment of all of these Old Testament prophecies. So when some of the folks are seeing him, it's ringing all of these Old Testament bells like, oh my gosh, this is, it's happening, guys. Like something is stirring yeah, in, in yeah, the yeah. history of the world. Um, and and the big thing is um, John as um, kind of this uh, representation of the person of the prophet Elijah. Um, and we see this. He's kind of known as the greatest of all the prophets, right? Elijah's held up as, you know, the, the one of the big three. One of the big three, right? Yeah. Yes, and there's these prophecies that, like, when this messianic age comes, that Elijah will come back. Like, what's that mean? Because obviously Judaism doesn't teach reincarnation, so what is that? So it's this embodiment of a personality like Elijah with a ministry like Elijah. Um, And so even just the physical description, this wild guy who's wearing, you know, uh, animal hair and eating bugs and all that actually repeats this description of the prophet Elijah. Yeah. And then the ministry of Elijah, he lived at the time period of Ahab and Jezebel, and his whole thing is to be very confrontational at the risk of his own life. And that's what we see in John, super confrontational. Even in this passage, we see him just like speaking to religious leaders, and he's like, you're a bunch of snakes. And then later we'll see him speaking (laughs) to Herod and like, whoa, hey, it was not like, okay, for you to marry your brother's wife, like that's wrong. And then of course, he's going to be beheaded for that. So right. Lots of echoes of Elijah in his life and ministry. Yeah, and I think where he preaches from, the things that he preaches, the way he dresses, all of those things are just screaming to people. The kinds of, the, they, don't, they don't need any, hey, this, is, this guy's like Elijah. Every one of them would kind of all get to see it. John also needs the, the distinction of being called the baptizer because there are so many Johns. Right. And so... It's easy to get him confused. Finally, Jesus makes it more confusing. Um, when he says, you know, if you, have, if you have ears to hear, he is Elijah. You know, he, he was. He, he, and he's the greatest. What, I guess that's, those are crazy things. He's the greatest prophet of all, of all men born, born from woman. Yeah, born from woman. I mean, woman. that. Yeah. And, then, and then, okay, you think, wow, that's fantastic. And he goes, but the least in the, in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. Right. And you're just like, I don't. You know, it doesn't, the things that surround John just keep him mysterious. Right. And a little wild, little, like you said, he's uh, wildly confrontational and that will eventually cost him. Yeah. And another thing we don't get to, we didn't really get any time with is, um, is John, John is the, is one of the very first human beings to recognize the messianic calling of Jesus. You're talking about when he flips in the womb? He jumps in the womb. Right. I mean, you know, so he's privy to information that only very few, just very few people well, have. Well, he recognizes the messiahship pretty quickly. I mean, and you you love this too. You said that one of the things that spoke to you that you love, that you wish you could spend more time on, was 
his attitude toward the Messiah Jesus. Yeah, it's amazing because he's getting a pretty big following here, and most of us would handle that poorly. <laughs> you know, we would take yeah. that group of people. And I'm huge. I'm huge. <laughs> I have yeah. so many followers on Twitter. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's not what we see. Right away, there's a level of humility and of clarity of mission. He knows and he communicates to the people, I am not the Messiah. He is coming, and my only purpose is to announce him, and I will become intentionally less so that he will become greater. And his ministry is such a model for all of us. Whether or not you are working for a church, your ministry as a human being, as a follower of Jesus, is not to be a light, but to point to the light. Just his integrity is pretty outstanding. Yeah, it's you can see why um, he, he really pissed a lot of people off. In fact, one of the things that, we, um, if we had time to just concentrate on John, right. we, would, we would ask, what makes him the greatest? Mm-hmm. What is it about John? Because his message, it's not his message. His message is, is uh, you know, six words, five words. Um, Repent, <laughs> kingdom of heaven's near. Um, I don't know how many words that is. I should count it. Uh, mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine words. So it, what makes him the greatest? I mean, that this is, episode is brought to us by the number nine, <laughs> nine, <laughs> nine. So one cookie. Sorry. Who's your favorite Muppet? The count. Oh, he doesn't count. I assure you he does. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um, yeah. Uh, you got, you guys just got all sidetracked anyway what makes him the greatest is a great is a great thing to think through and Karina kind of put her finger on it it it, it, he understands I think what makes him the greatest at least this has been ministering to me in this time of transition with Jay what makes him great is he knows when to get out of the way Mm -hmm. he knows his his purpose is to prepare a place the messiah not him even the words of the isaiah which is referenced in matthew a voice of one calling out in the desert prepare the way for the lord make paths straight for him yeah make 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 the straight the paths for him it's it's others focused right it's it's jesus focused it's the messiah focused right it's it's christocentric yes good yes yeah it's very much christ-centered yeah you you wanted to use that word, didn't you? No, I did. I it just actually yeah. just came. came <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Like Muppets. Yes, fantastic. Um, okay, but okay. Now let's talk about the the difference in. There's a lot of we, a baptism language in this in this verse, and it's a little confusing because um, there's kind of multiple baptisms, and then there's baptism as we understand it, like as modern folk. There's John's baptism. Then he, he said, because he's baptizing people in the Jordan. So he gets this huge following because he's doing this baptism. And then he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me, he's going to come one who's more powerful, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. There's that incredible humility, right? He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and then with fire. Uh, okay, so how are those different? Fire and water, first of all, those don't go together. Like... Yeah. You know, that, that doesn't make any sense. Like, how, how, what, and fire sounds bad. And then there's this other language a little bit later. 
um, that God's going to burn up the chaff, the bad parts with unquenchable fire. So that sounds real bad. So like, how do you, how did you, and then there's our baptism because we're baptized um, and we'll get into this next week. But so how, how do you, how do you so talk about those things? If you didn't hear Karina's message and you've got lots of uh, interest around that, you need to go listen to her message. So how I dealt with it was I, I skipped it. Oh, good. That's a, I just didn't get to it. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I just, you know, guys, 35 minutes is really a short period of time when you're prepping a sermon. There are so many things that you won't be able to touch. You said 10 hours, and at first I was going to say, oh, come on. And I realized, no, I bet there's 10 hours in this. Absolutely. I bet there really is 10 hours. Um, anyway, but back to you. So so you're saying listen to Karina's, which uh, we'll post the link in uh, the comments, and it's available on our YouTube page. Uh, Karina, how did you how did you get into this? Yeah, for me, you know, um, what John is inviting us to, this repentance right. that happens through this mechanism of confession is really um, an opportunity for us to come to the absolute end of ourselves, the mm-hmm. realization that I cannot do this on my own. If I could have, I would have. And if I could have, God would have never done any of the things that he has done for us. The whole point is, I can't. And that's not, um, you know, to harm you or belittle you or to insult you in any sort of way. It's that as a human being, you were actually never intended to do any of these things on your own strength. Um, and so these three baptisms are actually a place for you to get real and honest with yourself, with God and with others, to, to surrender, to, to wave the white flag, and to finally say once and for all, and actually in some cases not once and for all, sometimes over and over. Yeah, sometimes it's daily, yeah. I can't, Yeah. and I need you. So the first baptism, baptism of water, especially for us um, living after the death and resurrection of Jesus, this is the confession that I cannot save myself, that I am actually separated from God by the fallenness of humankind, the things that are broken within me that I have done to myself and others, the things that others have done to me have broken the world system, and I desperately need a Savior. It is only by the work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection that I could be reconciled, forgiven completely, made the friend and child of God. And and the way that I embody that is through this beautiful sign act of water baptism. Water baptism doesn't save me, but it's a demonstration, a visceral sign act, of a visceral metaphor that I'm saying to myself, to God, to my community, I can't save myself. I absolutely need Jesus to be made mm-hmm. the friend of God. Then John says, you know, there's these other baptisms that, in fact, I can't accomplish. Only Jesus can accomplish these for you. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of fire. Because of the amazing work of Jesus on the cross, 
We are completely reconciled, made pure, made right in the eyes of God. And now the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, comes and dwells within us. And there's lots of things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. But one of the things the Holy Spirit does is empowers us to live abundant life. In John 10, Jesus says, I've come to give abundant life and for us who are living um, as reconciled sons and daughters of God through the blood of Jesus, we are empowered by this indwelling Holy Spirit. Now, we receive the Holy Spirit at the moment that we come into relationship with Jesus, but we experience that reality in our daily life in so much as we are willing to surrender. Again, it's this act of surrender. It's this waving the white flag. If you could live the abundant life without the indwelling power of the resurrection Holy Spirit, you would have done it. But the reality is I can't do it. I don't know about you guys, but I can't do it. So there's this interesting verse that says, don't be drunk on the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk on alcohol, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that verb tense there, be filled with the Holy Spirit, actually is the present continuous, which is be filled again and again and again and again. This is a super nuance. And I'd love for everyone... And the way that I drink wine, (laughs) like every day. I'm just kidding. I don't drink wine every day. That was a joke. But yeah, just the idea that as we consume uh, liquid every day, we need to drink in every day. Well, it's more... Yeah, it's like... Yes, I'm baptized by the Holy Spirit, but the but it's in a, a posture of surrender that avails the power that He wants to live through me, hmm. and so this com- this actually command to be continually filled, to be filled over and over and over and over, not because the Holy Spirit's gone, but because you got to get yourself out of the way, and, and and so there's a power that resides. The scriptures tell us it's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. I mean, that's pretty significant power that's been deposited in us. And we need every bit of it to live the life that Christ is calling us to. We cannot do it on our own. Yeah, you use the word dunamis, right? Yes. That, that's the, the, the dynamite is the, the word that you will yeah. receive power. You've taught on this a mi- probably a million times, right? The dunamis is that Greek word, the same word dynamite. That's the power. Um, so that's the second. Is that the second? That's the second baptism. And that's mm-hmm. the spirit. But it's, it's tied to the first, which is the repentance, which is hum- humility and recognizing God as God. It's a submission. It's a bowing of one's heart to God. In this case, the, a member of the Trinity to, to enter in. So let's talk fire because that doesn't sound good. Those two sound good. I, I understand why I need to be washed and cleaned, why I might need to repent. I've done some bad stuff. I understand why I need help, you know, but the fire thing sounds bad. Yeah, let me, inter- let me interrupt you before you leave because I wouldn't uh, water, I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't identify water as washing and cleaning. I would identify it as surrendering. Yes. But is, as, I, I'm as saying, putting, isn't that what John, John did? It wasn't John well, a cleansing? Yeah, and this is why John's baptism at this particular juncture, because Jesus hasn't died and resurrected, is significantly different than the water baptism you would receive right. today. So if, we're talking about yeah. different things. So we've, we, yes. yeah, we're going to have to get we, into we that made next week. We a little week. nuance, and it's coming next week. Yeah, we'll so talk that's, about that. That's why it's yeah, coming I see what you're week. saying. Yeah. So I was talking about John's baptism, but you're talking about post-John Christian right. sacrament of and, baptism. And right. real quickly, theologically, why the Holy Spirit... Why those baptisms, as we talk about them today, could not happen is that the crucifixion and resurrection had not happened. Right. 
So Jesus hadn't died. We had to be. We had to be declared righteous on right. his merit mm. to make us available, to make us um, a place where the Holy Spirit could reside. Right. Otherwise, this is where knowledge standard. of the Old Testament is so um, helpful and important. It's really like if you were a Jewish person at this time period, the, the image of the Holy of Holies, the presence of God could not indwell a place that had not been utterly completely purified right and nothing could have utterly purified us in the way as the cr- crucifixion sure. of jesus yeah, exactly. so it's all by the cross 100 percent, and that's why this is really the whole thing is all about surrender it's this admission i can't save myself i need a savior i cannot live an empowered life i need the holy spirit and then this third one let's talk fire the yeah. baptism of of fire. Yeah, that sounds bad. That sounds that sounds like it's going to be painful, or I'm going to get burnt up. Uh, that doesn't sound good, right? So most people listening are probably like that. So let's talk about that third baptism, the baptism of fire. Yes. So um, there's a couple of images that we see for fire throughout the Old and the New Testament, but one of them is this idea of God as a refining fire. God as a refining fire. Um, Now, for sure, um, the process of experiencing refining fire isn't a comfortable one, but is generated and motivated by goodness and love. It's not comfortable, but it's motivated by love. Now, if you had been... Most people aren't metallurgists. Exactly. If you had been a a metal worker at the time, um, let's say you're working with gold, uh, gold as a metal is often found in an impure state. And so they would heat up the gold and that which was not pure gold would actually begin to separate, kind of like, you know, real peanut butter and the oil comes oh, to yeah, the top, yeah. right? <laughs> so it would separate and that... Because gold's super heavy. Exactly. As an element, it's super duper heavy, and so it sinks. It, right, and the, the carbon other stuff would float the on the top. And the other minerals go to the... So, so then, super easy for the metal worker then to just take a, a spoon and scoop off what's called the dross off of the top, leaving behind only purified gold. Okay, so this is the, the image that, that we see. We also see it in the next part of the verse that's talking about this winnowing, and you've got grain, and you would use this little fork to throw the grain up into the air. The wind would blow it, and only what was the edible seed, part would seed, stay, right? and, and the, the rest, rest of it yeah. would blow away. So and, again... And these are these are like the best illustrations for the time of this teaching. Right. It doesn't make as much sense for us now, but it would have been... Now, Absolutely if maybe John would teaching. say, clean up your desktop and put everything in proper folders. I'm kidding. I don't know what John would say. <laughs> I don't know what John would say. But you're, you're, did yes. Karina do that to you, Tish? <laughs> she did. I think I did. <laughs> I cleaned up my desktop. I'll have you know. So there's this passage, actually, that we see um, in Malachi chapter 3, um, and it talks about this. And, you know, it is a little strong. Yeah. <laughs> Um, not the most comfortable of images or processes. You know, it's like, uh, you know, a lot of people I've heard them say, don't ever pray for patience, <laughs> right? You know, not sure that's what you, you know, it's scary. It's scary to invite God into certain parts of your life. When you, you know, ask for, God to grow you. Oh, those scary prayers. That can, that can be that's, a scary That's thing. a sermon series, Steve. Scary prayers. Yeah. Um, Malachi 3, it says, look, I'm sending my messenger 
He'll prepare the way before me. Ooh, sounds like John. Um, and then he says, Then the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the, the covenant, whom you so eagerly look for, is surely coming. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? He will be like a blazing fire that refines metal, like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, and he will burn away the dross, and he will purify his people so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices. So the purpose of refining fire is not your pain or your suffering or your destruction. It is, it's really important to get this, it's motivated by great love. So I know it sounds scary, and and I, I can say having experienced refining fire in my own life, it's not the most comfortable process, but it is a process whose motivation at the deepest core is my greatest flourishing and the flourishing of people in, in my family around me. Um, I think between these three baptisms, we actually see a really strong correlation to Jesus uh, talking about the true vine in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, we have this image of um, the, the true vine, who is Jesus, and he says, I want you guys to come and abide in me. And um, for those of us who, you know, were once enemies of God, separated from him, the offer actually is that we weren't even a part of this vine, and he's taking us, and he's grafting us in. I, I shared with you guys my husband's into bonsai trees, yeah. and one of the fascinating things that people can do is take a tree, that's even a whole different thing. You could take a mango branch and you could graft it into an avocado tree and it could survive like and, and it'll bear fruit. Both fruits, I think. It's won't it? crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. What? So the Avocados invitation can be in a, in a, in a mango yes. tree. Yes. And you could have a mango avocado so tree. It would produce both avocados and it mangoes. Both. I, it wouldn't be a mixture of no. a mango avocado. It wouldn't no, be no, a, no, a, no, a, no, a mango avocado. No, no, no mango avocado. Okay, that'd be no. gross. But but, but wow. actually, Paul later will talk about this idea that we have been grafted in. We who were the enemies and aliens and strangers to God because of the cross of Jesus have been grafted in and we are now part of the family of God. That is amazing. And that's what baptism of water is a symbol of. It's a symbol just demonstrating I have been grafted in. And then you think, okay, Jesus doesn't say grow fruit. He says, I want you to abide in me. And as you abide in me, you will bear fruit. And you'll bear fruit because the life-giving sap will flow from the vine through the branches. And here I see this image of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the life-giving power flowing from God the Father, Jesus the Son, into us the branches. And it's by that Holy Spirit that we bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then it says that the Father lovingly prunes the branches that do not bear fruit. That 
It's for kindness of the tree. When my husband prunes branches from his bonsai tree, he's not trying to kill the tree. It's not that he hates those branches, but he knows that this tree will flourish when I remove those branches that are not for the good. And so the baptism of fire, this refining fire, is a surrender to the process of sanctification. It's you surrendering and admitting, I can't change myself. It's not by self-discipline and chutzpah and pulling myself up by my bootstraps that I'll experience personal transformation. Even Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I'm trapped in this broken pattern. I don't know how to break free. The only way to break free Hmm. is to invite God the refining fire and this difficult but loving process yeah, i've never heard those, those three baptisms mapped onto john 15 that's really that's know, really interesting really that's really too. that's really good analogy uh what, what are your thoughts steve on 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 this on these three different aspects of of a baptism yeah I, and karina and i visited a couple of times in the last few weeks about it, it, it the, the danger is is that you'll confuse them huh um is that you know s- some of the like the baptism of the Holy Spirit is accomplished through the work of Christ, and yet um, the baptism of fire is a submission to, a willingness to kind of surrender to something. And you have more of a par- part to play there with your own willpower than you do in the other one. The other one. The yeah. other one is an unconditional <clears throat> promise based on the merit of Christ and His work for us. Um, the other the. We, and we, you know, that's established. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Mm-hmm. But we can quench the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Right. You even said like it's a, it's a willingness to say, God, please come, Spirit, come. You yeah. Know, it's it, it's, it's an pretty simple. Yeah. I can't. God can. I think I'll let him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus <laughs> makes it super simple. God can. I, I think, think I think I'll let him. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, you know, historically, churches, denominations have had so many disagreements about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what that looks like. And I just love Jesus' words. He made it so unweird, so simple. He said, look, which of you, and you're a pretty rotten bunch, if your kid asks for bread, are you going to give him a stone? If your kid asks for fish, are you going to give him a snake? He's like, no, you're not going to do that. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so I do see it as a two-part thing. At the very moment that you say yes to the atoning work of Jesus on the cross, you not only are grafted in as a son and daughter to the kingdom of God, but you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as a seal on your heart. It is by him that we cry out, Abba, Father, like that's for sure, your relationship to Jesus, your relationship to God, your relationship to the, to the Holy Spirit is, is eternal yeah. and unshakable, unmovable. But at the same time, we have an invitation to be filled again yeah. and again and again and again, which is really, to me, just this word surrender. surrender. This morning, I choose to surrender to the yeah. dynamite of the power of the Holy Spirit, admitting, I can't do this on my and own. And here's the, de- the deal is, is that this is, if you take it, if you listen to what we're saying from a cultural perspective, this is very offensive. Yeah. Who are you to tell me I can't live a good life? 
And that's not what we're saying. Well, the poet W.H. Auden once said, we'd rather be ruined than changed. Telling yeah, me that I'm wrong, not, telling not, me I'm wrong is the worst offense in our culture. We're not saying people right? are bad. Right. We're saying people before a holy God are bad off. They can't bridge, right? It, it, are you capable of doing something? If you're not a Christian, are you capable of doing something good? Yeah, absolutely. We see it all the time. Are you capable of living the righteous life that Christ is calling you to? You cannot. You cannot. And if you think you can, you're deluded. Your pride yeah. um, will. I mean, do we have to bring look about where you will further need graft, than the 20th century to see how humans do with this stuff? I mean, the 20th century was littered with. Colossal yeah, failure after still colossal our culture, failure. we have this belief, this progress sure. myth yeah, yeah. that we can eventually We're um, good. become yeah. utopia yeah. if we just get enough time, resources, and education. Yeah, and I we'll would say that it. this pride is what specifically here in the Bay Area culture is holding people back from really having a relationship with yeah. God and flourishing in that relationship. And ironically, we actually see it right here in these verses because John right now in Matthew 3 is talking to two groups of people. He's talking to some of these folks who are desperate and they are keenly aware. They followed him to the desert, it looks like. They followed (laughs) him to the desert and they're ready to be baptized. Now you have to realize for Jewish people... Baptism is a very humble, humiliating process. Mm-hmm. For Jewish people, it means one of two things. Either it, le- either it means that they're ceremonially impure, which means that they're closed off to worship. People can't touch them. And they've them. committed something that's, that's... It's bad. Yeah, yeah. they've done something bad. Yeah. Right? And so for them to like humble themselves to be baptized is like an admission. A surrender. Or it means that they're Gentiles, whom the Jews referred to as dogs, who are trying to be admitted into a community to which they don't belong and they are outsiders. Either way, like baptism is humility versus John speaks very harshly against the Pharisees and Sadducees who are standing here, and they represent Everything that is other. In fact, he speaks pretty strongly and he says, you guys think that you're going to be saved because you are sons of Abraham. You think you're going to be saved because you're such good little boys and girls and you've been on your best behavior and you're following all the rules and dotting your I's and crossing your T's. And John is saying, no, you can't save yourself. And they are unwilling to surrender. surrender. There are two groups. And I love the passage that you talked about, Steve, in in your sermon, these two prayers that are contrasted. Tell us about that. Well, Jesus tells this parable, and he says two people come before the, into the temple. And one guy says, basically, I'm glad I'm okay. I'm glad I'm not like all of these other sinners. Right. And then one guy comes and just basically beats his breasts and says this beautiful prayer. Let me grab it really quick so I can say it exactly. The Lord, have mercy on me, God, a sinner. Yeah. have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus, Jesus says, I tell you that this man rather than the other. In other words, the one that you would have thought was in good standing left without standing before God. And the one that came in and you thought, oh, there's, 
That guy, I don't even know why they let him in. Doesn't Jesus make him a tax collector in the story? Yeah, one's a tax collector. And the other guy's a religious leader, right? The, the yeah. other's a Pharisee. So that's so instructive. You've got the people who think that they're going to be... Hmm. And, and I think Karina's got her... Even this this spirit of, I don't need help, I can. I will be... You know, I'm the captain of my own soul. Yeah. That, that spirit, If let's just be real personal here, in the Bay Area, in an area where we can accomplish so much... Um, that spirit is holding back the kingdom of God, yeah. Because and, and and I said in in I quoted John Ortberg. I th- I think it was a, it, John in the sermon that I gave. The greatest enemy of the kingdom of God is my kingdom. Yeah. Ah uh, yeah. yes. And people come to the Bay Area to build and their, kingdom. their kingdom. Yeah. Look, John the Baptist was offensive, and Jesus was offensive and it might sound offensive to you the invitation to surrender yeah. but the reality is I cannot save myself I cannot live the abundant life that I was created to live and I cannot transform myself without the intervention of God and until you're ready to get desperate I don't know that you'll ever be able to experience what you are made for. But but the beauty is the the more uh, willing we are to represent to recognize our own desperation, the more flowing into that situation God's grace pours in. Yes. Um the the our soul's needing our soul's neediness only invites more of God's grace. Yes. I mean, and and so, this is the key. This is this is repentance is the key. This repentance becomes submission. the key. In fact, yeah. I've said in um, leadership classes that I've taught, and I've told both of you guys at one point or another, the most important discipline we practice as Christians today is repentance. The most, and um, people argue with me and say, "Oh no, it's prayer and it's these kinds of things." And yes, prayer's needed, and all the disciplines are important, but I, in my opinion, in our culture today, it's a constant recognition. I'm not God. Yeah. You are. I bow. I can't. You can. Mm. God can. I, I think, think I'll, I'll let, let him. him. That's cool. That's cool. That's a good that's, prayer. By the way, that's uh, John Ortberg. That's awesome. That's quote. Oh, that, oh, that was a quote you're trying to write. Okay, cool. Well, thank you guys. Um, there's, there, again, we, there's more. I, 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 we didn't even get to kingdom. <laughs> we had to stop. There and, is uh, so much in this passage. That's why I stop at verse two. Yeah. It's, uh, just, it's, it's just <laughs> but. there's there's so much, and there's also there's some other stuff here that we 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 left on the cutting room floor. Uh, thank you guys for stopping by, and uh, I think reminding us of the primacy of repentance. I think there's a lot, and then also that mapping onto John 15 was a really interesting way to look at. Um, the multiple, yeah. and we're going to th- talk I, about. I, I think that's really. Brilliant. Yeah, we're going to talk about baptism more next week. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to get into that a lot more. We're going to kind of delve into that a and little bit have more. opportunities for people to actually be baptized. Yes, absolutely. And Jesus's baptism is different than our baptism. Obviously, you know, we're going to talk about those differences. Right. Um, and so it, it, we are going to have baptisms next week, which is super exciting. Which is again this beautiful celebration of somebody saying. Uh, I'm I'm out. I surrender. I surrender. I'm out. Uh, it's me and Jesus from here on out. That's exciting. So we're super excited about that, and that'll be a wonderful celebration at uh at um at, both at campuses. Our, yeah, yeah, join us. Exciting. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week, and uh, thanks for stopping by. Yeah.
just want to say thanks to Karina Gerard and Steve Clifford for stopping by. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And join us next week as we continue to traipse through the book of Matthew. Just the third chapter next week. And uh, next week is really interesting because somebody else gets baptized. That's right. It's Jesus and all heaven breaks loose. So you don't want to miss that. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.